You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Morning. Welcome to this week's edition of the Yarra Bicycle Users Group Radio Show Program, whatever, for Monday, the 19th of July 2021. We acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, traditional owners of the land from which we transmit people powered radio. Thank you to Democracy Now for the last hour or so of current affairs. My name's Chris. And on today's show, I am going to be speaking to Alice Clark, and she's written several articles in The Age about her introduction to cycling and coming to it from a non-cycling approach. And uh, if you can hear a slight weariness in my voice, yes, indeed, I've been sitting up for the last couple of weeks, three weeks in fact, watching Le Tour. And previous to that, I was uh, sitting up watching the Dauphine and also the Giro. So, yeah, I'm very, very tired. And like many other people, we are just getting by doing our level best to find some happiness in life. This thing, I'm skirting around the issue of Melbourne lockdown 5.0. Well, today's show, you will like it. It is a great little um, chat that Alice and I had about getting into cycling and also just a different approach if you may not have considered you know someone who's starting out and the way that they perceive our uh, streets our roads and how things are planned G'day, my name is Margie Thorpe. You are listening to 3CR Community Radio 855 on your dial. I'm Alice Clark. I'm a freelance journalist and age columnist and suddenly I found that I ride bikes which is exciting and deeply surprising. Deeply surprising. Uh, you've written two um, articles which have you know captured captured the imagination. Uh, one was back on the 13th of June riding a bike is sweet freedom if it might kill me and another one how riding on Melbourne's roads made me one of those cyclists. Now, uh. Going back to the first article, now a couple of paragraphs, and then there's this interesting sentence at the end of one of them. But then came a perfect storm of motivating factors. Time, 
So those motivating factors. Uh, I've been really lucky in my career that I have worked from home basically since high school. So I've never really had a proper office job before this year. And obviously, uh, you know, commuting is fun and fine. Uh, and normally I've been very happy to take public transport everywhere. We sold our car a couple of years ago. But I just found that, first of all, I'm too impatient for the tram. It takes too long. I have no control over it. Uh, but second of all, with the pandemic, I'm still just a little bit germ conscious and I don't want to have to spend my entire commute in a mask while watching random people spit on things. Mm. Some people are gross. And I wasn't getting as much exercise because suddenly I was working an office job and doing freelance journalism. And so I didn't have as much time to go to the gym as I used to. And riding a bike seemed to solve all of these problems. And it wasn't something I'd considered at all, ever. Riding in the city just looked super dangerous. And I hadn't ridden a bike since I was a teenager on a mountain in the country, which is a very different vibe. But one day I was walking home down the Yarra and I thought, this looks like a really nice place to ride a bike. And then I was going down Swanston. And I was like, this this actually doesn't seem too bad. And then I saw that there were a couple of cross streets that had fully separated bike lanes. I'm like, maybe this won't kill me. Maybe I'll give it a go. And then my cousins moved back to Spain and wanted to give away their bikes. And so suddenly I had no excuses at all not to give it a go. And now I love cycling. Yeah. And also for, for, for slightly for health reasons, you're saying that uh, in the first article, your wife was starting a baking business. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it's like, uh, yeah. It's like good karma bakery makes amazing cookies and I have eaten all of them. And so <laughs> I need that exercise. <laughs> Excellent to have that from home, but it could be a bit of an issue for you know self self um kind of you know control yeah definitely like I like my clothes I don't want to have to buy new ones that's more effort so riding a bike means I can keep my old clothes and eat cookies and that's all I want initially those first six blocks of on, on your commute involved Chapel Street yes Chapel Street is a hell gauntlet where I am reasonably certain I will one day come to great bodily harm. Like I've just accepted that. That's something that's going to happen to me. I'm going to be doored or I'm going to be hit by a car because the whole way down that street, there's people opening doors without looking. There's people just suddenly parking the bike lane. The other day, uh, I think it was Friday, Thursday, uh, a car seemed to give themselves a challenge to see how close they could get to me before I fell over. And that's not even the first time that's happened. And sorry, mom, if you're listening to this, um, mm. I, I'm as careful as I can be, but some people are jerks. Yeah. And, you, and, and as, uh, as the interviewee here or interviewer, I, I do know like with Chapel Street, it's, it's a vast complex thing and we can just say now what needs to happen and it'd be great for everyone. So why don't we just do it and put in some separating mm -hmm. infrastructure down there? Yeah, like it seems like such an obvious thing. Like there's been so many people who've gotten been who've gotten hurt there. There's enough room to put in a separated bike lane. Why wouldn't you just do it? Like well, I don't understand what's stopping them after so much time and so many injuries. And as I keep being told, deaths. Surely yep. at some point somebody goes, "Hey, maybe we put in a separated bike lane, and people will stop being really hurt." 
And something you consider with something from an advocate's perspective of, we'll know that uh, people love to ride to the shops and cycling is good for business. And I know, again, there's massive pushback back there, down there from the retailers or considering retail's woes and other issues, it could make it a interesting selling point and proposition for, you know, let's look at this issue with new eyes. Yeah, there's plenty of bike shops down those roads. So we know that there's already people who want the cycle who are going there anyway. Mm -hmm. If you make the whole road safe up and down, people will be willing to stop and have a look at other shops. Like Mm -hmm. Chapel Street as a retail precinct is not the place it was that I remember when I was little when Jam Factory was packed full of stores and it was exciting. And now it's a cinema that's half of it's closed half the time. And they're only using one side and there's a cotton on and a Nando's. And that's think, about it. Yeah, I think there's a Nando's and I haven't been down there for yonks. But there is a Nando's. I eat there often. Yeah. But, <laughs> <laughs> but um, people need to look at the city with new eyes. As you're saying, you're working from home. People are closer to where they actually live instead of like doing the, you know, uh, dormitory thing and going to the CBD or elsewhere. And on this show, Uh, Over the last year and a bit, I mean, talking about what's happening elsewhere with low traffic neighbourhoods in the UK, things throughout the European people doing stuff there, especially in North America as well. Sydney, there's bits and pieces happening in Melbourne. We've had, you know, you probably noticed there was a media thing from Vic Rhodes and Ben Carroll, about 100 uh, kilometres of separated infrastructure with connectors Mm. but we're still getting this kind of it's not neither it doesn't seem to be fully integrated and done with a bit more vigor and enthusiasm and let's make things better and we're and they're still you know from from, again from an advocate's perspective we're catering to i don't like that don't do it please and it's going to take away my parking instead of the this is really innovative and great and it will make your make where you live even better You know, there's people, like you said, have been on casual for seven years. Well, it's supposed to be casual employment. People want full-time jobs. They don't want to be sitting there casual, not knowing they're going to get any any days, any leave or whatsoever. Especially, you look at all the casuals in the, our industry at the moment, they're sitting home. You know, people want full-time employment and they, sh- they should be entitled to That's full-time right. employment. And look at all the people who were used and abused as casuals in the aged care sector and all the problems that are facing people now and all the deaths that are following. And the meatworks, a lot of that's casuals, labour hire, you know, you've got blokes travelling around, you know. We want full-time positions and, you know, that's... And people want it. We want to be full-time employed. You want them to have your Christmas holidays. You want to have time with your family. But when you're a casual, you get none of that. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio 855 AM on digital and online. 3CR Radical Radio. People seem to still be assuming that cars are the primary road user, when we need to be thinking of them as just a road user like it's they're not cars aren't the be all end all and they're so relatively historically recent 
like do we like bushfires because continually burning fossil fossil fuels is how we get more bushfires and floods and everything else and yeah it just it's really it's annoying it's annoying and good and we're just bringing to what they've done with uh, Heidelberg Road I don't know if you had a look at that but it's absolutely loved from people who ride it because historically there was nothing out to the northeast and unless you went along a long boring contour line or heavily trafficked roads and they've placated the you know couple car parking spots have gone back in and it's like so disappointing yeah You saw people who ride bikes as your enemy for quite a while. and I did, back when I was a motorist and as a pedestrian. And this is a stuff I'm really interested in because it's not as a criticism, it's just I need, you know, people would like to hear, why didn't you like people who ride bikes? So at the time, I, because I had not really been exposed to many people who road bikes that often i saw it as this is the lane that i drive my car and this is the speed that i can drive the car at there is this bike that's taking out most of this lane and suddenly i'm having to halve my speed and my commute's annoying and already i'm stuck in traffic and i'm irritated and now i have to go half the speed because there's a cyclist this is the worst why would i want this and then as a pedestrian i'm walking down a footpath why is there a bike just suddenly nearly hitting me and what I didn't realize at the time is that neither of those are the cyclist's fault or the motorist's fault or the pedestrian's fault. It's whoever planned those roads and footpaths without proper, properly thinking through all the people who are going to be using them and how they're going to be used and how to keep all those different users safe. It's a design issue, not a motorist issue. This is a very good point. And like, because people's perception of cyclists is initially one of anger and again it's perception mm-hmm. and if you take a step back from it and just use the, just a tiny smidgen of critical thinking you'll see that again it's a planning issue if more people yeah. are doing a certain activity why don't we plan better for it so not only have i started to ride a bike because there's all these separated parts but because i've started to do that and i've really enjoyed that My mother, who is 74 years old and has never ridden a bike in her life, has just bought an adult tricycle so she can start to learn and start to ride to work herself. And the fact that she feels comfortable enough to do that is a testament to the power that these separated bike lanes have when they exist and when they're implemented properly. That is amazing. And it's it's not an outlier example. It's an example of someone who's lived in the community for a long, long time. They're going, this is now safe for me. Yeah, we've lived in the city. Well, my mum and I first moved to the city uh, 18 years ago, 15, 17, many years ago now. <laughs> and we've seen how it's changed and evolved. This is really the first time either of us would have even considered a bicycle in any way. So what, your mum rides for um, getting around, seeing friends, shopping, that sort of thing? Not yet. We're still, at we're the... working on getting, that's the plan. We're working on getting her used to it a bit more. Uh, we had a, a bit of a setback on Friday when a pedestrian screamed at us, which wasn't great. Uh, but we're just kind of getting used to turns and 
take like traffic being there and working out how to negotiate things. But yeah, the plan is for her to be able to ride from home to work, do shopping, catch up with people and just have a bit more freedom without having to be worried about public transport. And I'd say at the moment, at this point of recording, we're in lockdown five in Melbourne. And I'd say getting back to the incident you were just talking about, I think people are just under stress a bit. Oh, yeah. Like, it's completely understandable. Everybody is in, like, we are all on the absolute edge of our sanity and it will not take much for any of us to tip over. So <laughs> I completely oh, get how that happened. Yeah, yeah. We're kind of really outside our standard operating procedure. And this is very rare, these things occur. They usually happen on a smaller, smaller sort of situations that's more intense. And now we're having a community-wide existentialist thing. CR Community Radio, 855 AM. Getting on to the second article, how Melbourne's roads made me one of those cyclists. <laughs> now, this is this has made me I'm intrigued by this one. You you've started to understand why we're a little bit, you know. On yeah. edge sometimes. <laughs> Cyclists have always seemed super intense and I never got it. Like you all have the little outfits, which are cool, but I didn't quite understand why. And always talking about cycling. Like, you know, a cyclist, like how do you tell a cyclist? They'll tell you. And I just never got it. But it turns out that if every day you have to like ride defensively and defend your hobby and really try and defend your life and then that leads you to activism of course you're going to be really intense about it because a lot of the parts that like cycling is incredible but there's a lot of outside factors that make it suck a little bit that really don't have to suck they don't have to indeed because as a cyclist or when you're riding your bike you'd realize you have to be perceptive of just about everything including having you know metaphysical eyes in the back of your head Mm. And it shouldn't have to be and like that. No, people should be going out of their way to try not to cause you harm. But also they shouldn't have to go out of their way to not cause you harm because the road should be set up to be safe for everyone. Yeah, and this get... doesn't excuse the really kind of extra intense cyclists mm-hmm. who are kind of gatekeeping and weird, which happens in every single hobby. Like oh, it doesn't it? In nerd hobbies. Oh God, there's, there's always oh. that like one kind of guy no but like it completely explains all the other cyclists yeah i mean i'd like to think that it's getting a bit better because i've been around for a long time in this space and i'll totally agree with you about the gatekeeping some of the weirdness where you go can you just dial it down a bit buddy it's a peculiar australian thing too of you either ride fast or you ride slow and the slower getting about sort of thing there's you know some european terms for it they've i can't remember the actual dutch terms but someone who's just a bike rider is just someone who gets about and in australia with you know with commuting we've taken it to a a rugged urban assault sort of thing (laughs) and it doesn't need to be i'm not having a go at anyone who does 
deck themselves out because I've, I've been known to do it. And if you're going over a certain speed or a certain distance, it, this is a reason why, you know, certain types of protective equipment are designed. Yeah. I'm already planning on getting the weird kind of short things that have like the little sort of like the overall sh like yep. micro shorts. You get the bibnicks. Yep. Mm. Yeah. They look like so much fun. And you get to say bibnicks, which is really half the reason to do it. Yeah. And there, there's reasons for it. But if you're just simply getting about, as mm. dial it down. You're saying about things like out in the CBD and around the inner suburbs. Yeah. It's great to have separated infrastructure for people who are just simply getting about. We need to be able to cater for all kinds of riders and all kinds of people who want to get from A to B. The more, the easier we make it for people to move around the city and the suburbs, the more people who will come, the more people who will buy things, the more people who will get exercise and all those lovely endorphins that come with that and oh. make new friends. Like there's just, there's really no downside to making it easier for lots of people to get around aside from, you know, COVID, but like <laughs> being uh, safe in that regard, there's no other downside. To enable change, we need to show broad community support. Show your support for walking and cycling in the city of Yarra by appearing as a champion on the Streets Alive website, representing your local street, neighbourhood or school. It's fast, free and simple. Learn more at streets-alive-yarra.org. A 3CR supporter. Uh, we were just saying a few moments ago about you know COVID being the existential threat. We've got other mm. things. We've got big things at the moment we're all facing, and there are ways to handle that. So we aren't faced with extreme stress or my life as I know it is changing for the worst. We can do things. You can mm. get this amazing little piece of equipment that may be expensive, it may not be as expensive, and you work out where you need to go and you work out what you're going to do and it's the closest thing you'll have to flying that you can have and it's a joy. Yeah, completely. Also, in lockdown, frankly, cycling has been my saviour. I've been able to discover so many places I normally wouldn't feel safe to go. Like today I rode on Flemington Road deliberately. I actually I did it the other day by accident and that was a horrible mistake before lockdown. There's it's such a great way to go for exercise and see everything that's within your five kilometer radius. You don't have the stress of being close to people. Like frankly, without cycling, lockdowns four and five would have been much, much harder for me. And I spent all of lockdown four planning and purchasing a new bicycle which was very exciting. And because it was during lockdown, I got way too into that purchase. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so you, as is the way. For someone who's just on the cusp of considering a change of how they get about, you know, I'm not, no pressure here. <laughs> <laughs> what, what would you say? Do a little bit of planning. My advice is, if you're on the cusp of thinking that maybe you'll start riding, walk the route that you want to take. Like look up the cycling directions on Google or whatever app you choose and walk on that route and see what things might be dangerous, what things might be good. 
and then borrow a bicycle and ride with a friend or tweet at someone like there's such a the cycling community when I was getting started on Twitter was so supportive and gave me so much information and so much advice that I felt like I wasn't going in blind and I wasn't alone even though I was riding by myself we were a relatively <laughs> nice mob so you like with the, the mobile phone thing you've ended up thinking about getting a quad lock yeah, I'm, I I can't get a quad lock because because uh, I'm a tech journalist. I change phones All a couple of times time. a month. I can't yeah. get cases every single time. Mm. But I think you're finding a way just so I can see directions. Like I don't want to touch it for anything else. But the, what what sparked this was my accidentally riding on Flemington Road in the really scary bits, which I would not have <gasps> yeah. done if I wasn't just relying on audio directions. Mm. So if I had been able to see it. I would have known and avoided it. Again, so, a, little, a yeah. little bit of planning, you know, ask for tips and, you know, and just give yourself, allow yourself to stuff up, you know, don't be yeah. too rigid. Yeah. Be it's- kind to yourself. My first big injury happened in the stupidest way. I had to suddenly stop and I dislocated my big toe, which is the dumbest injury you can possibly have, but really hurts like hell, but also heals pretty quickly. The first time I had a big fall, it was because I got a new bike with toe clips and one of the toe clips snapped off and got caught in a wheel. You're going to fall over and you're going to make dumb mistakes and you're going to get hurt, but you're probably not going to get that hurt in the beginning and you're going to be able to get up and it's fine and it just becomes a really good story that you still probably shouldn't tell your mother because then she'll freak out. Yeah, but also the preventative health thing, which we could do a vast array of shows on, is the, the, the really good thing about it. And also those endorphins, you, you, you're enjoying yourself. Oh, yeah, you feel so much better at the end of the ride. Like, I used to run half marathons. I never got a run as high. Running sucks. I just did it because I needed <laughs> to be fit and also because I'm too impatient. Yeah. Cycling, I, I do get the run as high from cycling. I get it now. I understand the endorphins. Also, it's never too late to start riding or never too early. Like if my mom's taught me anything, it's that you can always start at any time. And there is a bicycle or tricycle that will suit you and that you could make work. Like you don't have to learn to ride at five. It is just, they say, they say it's just like riding a bicycle because it turns out it is actually fairly easy, but it's also very daunting if you're, balance isn't there but then there are ways to overcome that there definitely is so is there any more articles kind of being planned or your, your, your new world outlook of cycling well there are probably a couple of things that i'll end up writing uh certainly about mum and certainly about lockdown yeah uh, but i'm not good at planning and so generally something like I, I have all of my ideas while i'm writing now it used to be while i was running now it's while i'm writing and so uh, presumably something weird will happen and that so, will spark another Something story. like a smart train or a Peneton or something like that, or you, you start doing bike packing and riding across Australia. Uh, you know, you, you, <laughs> you don't know where this could lead to. Oh, yeah. Well, my big plan is I, I want to ride the city trail. I want to get my confidence up enough that I can do a whole 30-kilometre ride on the city trail and also not get lost on the way. I know I'm up to being able to do 2025 pretty comfortably. Yeah, but I've also, I have been training on that Peloton trainer. Yeah. Uh, I actually reviewed that for the paper this week, and that was really, really fun. And that's helping me get my speed up. Excellent. And so there's there's so many ways you can prepare to go out to ride, even if you're not quite ready to actually 
ride yet. You can build yourself up for ages. Like I, I also probably wouldn't have done this if I hadn't started doing Apple Fitness Plus at mm. the gym. Yep. And doing those workouts and realizing that I could go further than I thought I could. Well, I'd say is that anyone can ride. Everyone who can ride should ride if they want to. And also, if you'd like to follow me on Twitter, you can find me at AliceDKC. You can also read my stuff in The Age and City Morning Herald and on Biteside and in a variety of other places. But yeah, thank you for listening. CR would like to thank our Yarrabug program sponsor, Vacro's Second Chance Cycles, for their financial support. Second Chance Cycles is a fantastic community workshop that recycles bikes, trains people in bike mechanics, and sells bikes to the local community. If you have a healthcare card, they'll give you a bike free of charge. To find out more, search for Vacro online or drop into the underground car park, Harmsworth Street, Collingwood, any Thursday or Friday. This week's Yarra Bicycle User Group radio program should be podcast soon on 3cr.org.au forward slash podcast or go to yarrabug.org forward slash radio if you want to find additional details of what we discussed today. These podcasts are produced at Melbourne activist radio station 3CR. Presenters are all volunteers and 3CR's existence depends upon the financial support of our listeners. Go to 3cr.org.au, click on the support tab and select either donate, subscribe, shop or fundraisers. Your subscription or donation keeps 3CR on air. On my bicycle, on my You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.